You're born looking like your mom and dad, but you'll die looking like your decisions. And that's because you don't realize how powerful your energy is and what you're doing to your life based off of the energy that's harnessed inside of you due to a lack of emotional intelligence. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to episode 284 of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. You're rocking with your host, Matt Labrie, and it is great to have you here rocking with us. I have to give you your kudos, your flowers for showing up for yourself and reminding you on that note, there is a reason you are here. You can be choosing to do anything in the world, but you're listening to a podcast, this podcast, this conversation. There's a reason for that. So I want you to open up to the idea that life is happening for you in this very moment. Today we are joined by my brother Garen Jones. Now Garen and I have never met and this was our first conversation ever. But after it, it's safe to refer to him as a brother. You'll see why in this episode as we dive in. Garen is the pioneer of artist power and one of the world's leading transformational speakers and authors. He's helped hundreds of thousands of people across the globe awaken their inner artist to find genuine authenticity, confidence, and joy. Garen's best-selling book, Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life, teaches how to lead an extraordinary life without regret. It was ranked by Forbes as a top book for business leaders in 2023, and I'm letting you know now, there is a lot that we are unpacking in this episode. Now, in this conversation, you are going to learn, number one, how to make your partner feel safe, seen, acknowledged, and heard. We're going to be breaking each point down step by step. So fellas, listen up. And ladies, to make sure that you're receiving what you deserve, it's also important for you to listen up. Number two, why we need to be asking ourselves better questions and what we will get out of life by doing that. Number three, how our quote unquote list, you know, if you've ever created a list of who you want your partner to be, who you want to manifest into your life, it actually does more for who we, the person creating that list is becoming. It's a very deep topic. So stay tuned for that. Number four, how to check in with your partner in a healthy way, which teaches them to communicate in unimaginable ways and so much more. Of course, before diving in, you know I need to remind you to make sure you share this episode. As just mentioned, you're listening to this for a reason, and that reason very well may be to impact someone's life by sharing it with them. So make sure you share it on social or word of mouth, text message, email, anywhere, but be that beacon of light and spread the love. Now, without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Garen Jones. Garen. Welcome to Decoding Success, brother. Excited to have you here, ready to dive in. Let's Thank you so it. much for joining us, man. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. First question for you. I think this is the proper way to start off any conversation. How are you? What's going on in your life? I'm the best I have ever been in every area of my life that I'm actually aware of. So I am thriving. Business, my life, my sex life, my marriage life, my parenting life, my money life, everything is matching how I feel about myself deep down on the inside. And I couldn't speak more highly about the inner work producing the outer work. It just it just feels good to be alive inside of my body right now. I love this. I mean, you just said something. I, I literally jotted it down as quick as I could. You said every area of your life that you are aware of. What does that last part mean that you're aware of? Like, are there more parts of our lives that we're not aware of? 
Yeah, because you'll never fully know yourself. There's so many layers that are in our unconscious. Like I've got two terabytes of photos and videos of my daughter's soul of many different moments. And she's only a year and a half old. So now times that by 40. I'm about to be 44 in a few weeks. So there's no possible way you're just going to know every and remember every single instant or impact or a moment. So sometimes you might brush up against a conversation with somebody that makes you feel uncomfortable or that sparks a lot of joy. Then you might not even realize that joy is connected to you when you were two years old with something that happened. So you just never really know in the unconscious until it's made manifest. And I always love just dig and I always ask myself, where did that come from? Why does this this make me so happy? Or why am I so frustrated about this? And I find oftentimes that when I get to the perceived root of why this makes me happy or why I get triggered by this, it often lessens the blow of the surface world reality. And to close, what I mean by that is if I keep blaming my wife for something, for an experience that I've felt my entire life, then it's actually not my wife. She represents something that's triggering something deep down inside of me. And oftentimes when I address that deep down inside, it frees up that energy to no longer feel that way about my wife. So That was like a long, short way to say that I don't feel that we'll ever be fully consciously aware of everything that's going on at all times. So in the stuff that I'm actually aware of, I'm so happy and thriving. And then sometimes things will pop up. I'm like, oh my goodness, where'd that come from? And I just go to work on that. How did you get to the point where you're hitting the level in which you are relaying to us here today where you're saying that you know you're thriving in all these areas because i know just from knowing your story it wasn't always the case but what did that look like for you was there one particular instance was it one particular change or was it multiple i heard somebody say and i don't remember who said it but they said you know you've always grown up here hearing things like you can't have your cake and eat it too Oof. and someone said to me one time it's like you can if you're willing to do the extra cardio. <laughs> and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? But if you do the extra work, you actually can do extra things that most people can't. And it was something about that that just set me forth in doing the extra work on myself, on my mind, my body, my soul. So it wasn't like it was somebody planted a seed and I watered it and grew an entire forest. I've never been the kind of person to kind of anything or how casual my way. It's either all or nothing. That's why when I fell in love with my wife, it was all or nothing. I'm not like trying to find a girl to turn into a girlfriend, to turn into a wife. I was like, no, I found a wife, that's it. So for me, when a seed is planted, and I'm aware that it could potentially grow into something, I throw my entire soul into it and I'm willing to bet on myself. I've been like that since I was a little kid. I just didn't know, I never knew where to point this energy. I will bet on myself every time. And what that looks like is throwing your heart over the bar and then allowing your body to follow. I wanna talk to you about 
you know, you just meant you're bringing up your wife. You said that you fell in love with your wife. You went all in on that. I'm really curious to know, by the way, it's 11, 11 a.m. here. So a little synchronistic as I'm asking this question. But when you fell in love with your wife, how did you know you fell in love with her? And this might sound like a weird question to some, but like this is something that I've been thinking about a lot this week. Like, was it the fact that you both chose each other? Was it more to that? I'm really curious to understand what people view falling in love as. Well, I chose her before she chose me. I knew she was my wife. It wasn't like I fell in love with my wife. I'm like, that's my wife. And I told her on our first date, but not love from a place stories of scarcity. Like this. Yeah, not from a place of, oh, I hope, I hope she buys the bullet. I was like, no, I was truly in my chief energy. And I said, I can mm. see you being the mother of our children. I can see you being my wife. It was the first time I had ever been with a woman that I could actually see the future. I could never see the future with any girl I ever dated. But with her, it's like I looked at her and it was like a portal opened up and it was a portal into the future. So I told her and she was like that weirded her out, saw her. I looked at her. I could see the portal into the future. And I told her I didn't tell her from a place of weakness or I hope it was. I was certain this is my wife. I'm going to tell her. And if she gets spooked out, she gets spooked out. She said, it like frightened me, but there was something about your confidence that made me feel safe. If you know anything about women, they want to feel safe. They want to feel seen, acknowledged, and heard. You come from that place, you'll really speak to the heart of just women, most women in, in general. So there's a book called uh, When God Winks by Squire Rushnell. It was the first edition. He's had like seven or eight editions, but there's a chapter that's removed on Soulmate and all those other editions that's in the first edition. And I had read that book like 10 times and I skipped the chapter because I never wanted to be in a committed relationship. I was like, ah, oh, no, every time I think of something, these things happen. So I don't even want to go in there. Well, one day I decided to read the book and then it was talking about how to attract your soulmate. And I wrote down this list and it was like, you write the attributes that you want in a soulmate. And then I wrote down before it was like exotic with nice legs. That was my <laughs> list. And because of that book, I started to write five things. And then once I wrote five things, it was, oh, maybe I'm writing too much. I was like, oh my God, it's five things. I was like, wait a second. This is my dream person. And I know this person doesn't exist, but I'm going to write this list. I wrote out 62 attributes, like has a relationship with God. She makes her own money, but loves being taken care of. Masculine and can easily slip into her feminine. She's disciplined. She's healthy. Great hygiene. Loves to travel. Loves fashion. Loves personal growth. Loves reading books. Like I wrote all of these things down. And I lost, I remember losing that journal. But in that three year period, my daughter wasn't really in her life growing up. You know, I just, I didn't know how to be that type of person while living in my car and, and just being whatever, if you can't give what you don't have. So I didn't love myself. She ended up coming back in my life during those three years. And it was interesting because we developed a better relationship than we had ever had. And I was learning so much about her. And then there were things that she would do. I'd be like, oh, I'd want that in a girlfriend. Oh, I'd want that in a girlfriend. And when I spent enough time with her, my heart had cracked wide open. 
And in the midst of me being the kind of person that my daughter could trust, that's when I met Blair at an emotional intelligence seminar. And I feel like there was like a universal gift from me showing up for baby soul that showed up in the form of Blair. And maybe three weeks after I had connected with Blair, I had found my soulmate list. I was like, whoever the person that has these attributes, we will have two babies and all kinds of things like that. And one day I found my list three years later and I read it and Blair had all 62 attributes. Holy shit. And that's how I found it. I wrote her into my life. I love that. And she had all the attributes. And on that list, I also wrote down how you want to be treated and how you will treat that person mm -hmm. and the top five places where you will meet that person that you don't typically go to circle and star the one you feel the most connected to. I circled and starred personal development seminar. Holy shit. And that's where I met Blake <laughs> three years later. So I just want to let you know, you, I mean, from brother to brother here, like you allowed me to feel comfortable because I too wrote a list. And as you were speaking, you posed the question on yourself in that story where you were like, fuck, did I write too much on my list? And you had five points at that time. And I'm like, fuck, I have 65. So then you added, you had 62. I'm like, all right, I feel a little bit more comfortable, but I'm curious, is there ever too much? I don't think there's ever too much. It's just that what I didn't realize was the three years in the incubation that I was in was actually grooming me into the person I had actually written down. I actually wrote myself mm. down of who I was going to grow into. And then I met my mirror. So whatever it is, it's not too much. Just make sure that whatever you write down, you're actually embodying those characteristics because you're a partner, one who's really aligned. They don't have to be exactly like you, but in an aspect, they'll be your mirror. Right. If it's all the way down, then there's a part of you that's trying to control that person. And if that person is way more powerful than you, then there's a part of her that's trying to control you. But as far as aligned partnership, that you will meet your mirror and nothing about you will be overcompensating or daddy wounds or mama wounds or anything like that. So it took three years for me to develop into that person and that's when I met Blair. So I would just, whatever you write down, make sure that patience is at the forefront of your focus because you will be shaped into whatever you write down. I love that. So essentially what we're getting at here is that we don't have to be a direct reflection of what's on that list in the moment of writing the list, but over a period of time, you will then develop into that person. That The, the words pull you in that direction. If you're open to it, if you're not open to it, you're probably going to deflect what you're, want, what you're wanting to call in. But that's the same thing that people do with business. They do that with money. They do that with community. Mm -hmm. They do that with so many things in their life. I want this, but I don't want it like this. <laughs> I want this, but I really don't want this. But this was a part of the thing that you asked for, and it's coming in the way that it needs to come in the way so that it can shape you and mold you. Mm. This is beautiful. You gave me the chills. I honestly have the chills right now. Going back to something you just said, you know, you mentioned that women, and I, I agree wholeheartedly, they want to feel safe, seen, acknowledged, etc. Can we break that down for the men that listen to this show? And even the women, right? To ensure that, you know, they're connected to this. How does a man 
provides safety for a woman? Like, what does that look like? There's several different aspects. So for some women, not all, but for some, financial is a form of safety. Yep. And I'm not talking about like, you know, my wife was earning $500,000 before I even met her. We came together and we became like this powerful conglomerate. Mm -hmm. Five, I mean, $500,000 a year. However, when she came to me and was like, baby, I'm tired. I was like, I, I want to bake bread. I want to like hang out with my friends. I don't want to have to do what I did to get here. She's like, I'm just, I'm tired. And she looked at me with her shoulders down, soft tone. And she said, baby, will you take care of me? And I was like, yes. It was something about it, wasn't She wasn't be like, oh, I'm going to use this man for his money. She just wanted to be protected and provided for. Mm -hmm. And this that's a natural habitat. That's natural inside of me. And I don't lose energy building and doing things like that because it's inherent in my nature. And that provides her for a sense of safety. My wife will never have to worry about little cracks in the night and somebody doing something, whatever, like the way and as just as passionate as I am with being joyful and tapping to the inner child is just as passionate as I am about protecting my family. And I, and I have the range that's crazy and I can flip that switch really quick. And she feels safe when she's walking down a dark alley with me. She feels safe in this house. Mm. So there's a protect and provide safety for some women. There's financial safety to not have to grind it out. Got to choose my words carefully because not all women feel this way. But there are some women that there's a sense of safety when they don't have to overwork themselves. Mm. For my wife, she didn't want to be in work mode when she's trying to think about having a baby. Sure. So when mama was nesting, my number one goal is how do I keep her in the softest, in her softest essence? How do I make sure that she's not overstressing and everything? Like if she wants to rearrange something in the house, that's no different than a bird that's nesting and moving feathers around and moving twigs around so they can provide the nest. The nesting is a part of a woman's nature. And so that provides safety. There are certain conversations, me being a disciplined person, a very undisciplined man does not provide safety for a woman. And don't, no matter how much money you have, you will get taken for granted. If you're not a disciplined person, you'll probably attract a different kind of woman that will overpower you if you lack discipline, if you don't have honor, loyalty, and integrity, and you don't do what you say that you're going to do. Inside of that, how you show up in your being in that masculine essence will allow the woman to just fall and not feel like she has to come from, and this is not all women, I'm speaking from the women that I work with and my wife, sure. come from a place of I'll do it myself or a place of protection or a place of you know something because of the issues with dad or mom or something that happened like that where protection is the automatic. And again, because I know there are women be like, not all women are like that. Not all women. The ones that I coach, the ones that I work with and work for, and the people who come to my retreats, the people who I lead, very similar story. But when I show up, even in my retreats, I have a retreat called Awaken the Artist Within. 90% of the people that come to those retreats are, are powerful, driven women. And then at least 15 of them, 10 or 15 of them after the retreat, they're like, thank you. I'm like, what? 
for showing me my future husband or showing me a different version of a father. And it's a, a different aspect of a man that can harness the feminine and the masculine and not lose himself in both. Inside of that provides a lot of safety, but even in the containers that I create, safety is the number one priority. It's like no leaky energy, people with ulterior motives. All of that goes into making people feel safe. And if you're thinking in biblical terms, Eve came into an environment that was already that was already created. That provided the safety. Sure. And so when I'm showing up in a certain way, certain bravado, certain certainty about myself, not questioning, really have my life intact. And when I didn't, this is what I'm going to do. And then when I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Almost always made a woman feel safe. I love that. Let's move on to scene. How do we make women feel seen? Yeah. So if you think in linear terms, you'll never see a woman. What does that mean? It's like, no, I see you You're wearing pink outfit. And, and this is typically how a lot of men who don't have access to emotional intelligence, this is how they think. No, I see you. You have on the flower dress and you have, I'm, I see you. What I've been told, because I'll never know what it's like to be a woman, but I, I know what it's like to actually coach mm-hmm. women through their issues and through their successes and triumphs and glories and everything. What I've been told is when a woman says, I don't feel seen, what they're referring to is being able to see what's in their heart, even if their words are saying something different. Now, I know this sounds crazy as shit. If you're thinking in linear terms, someone can say, yes, go out with your friends and go out, have as much fun as you want because they want you to have that freedom. But then you fail to see all of the time that you're not putting that same energy Mm. into her. Inside, she'll be saying, I don't feel seen. I give him this space, but I want him to take the initiative to be like, I'm going to stay in tonight because I realized I haven't been spending enough time with you. And in that right there, she'd be like, oh my God, I feel so seen. It sounds, it probably sounds like a whole new language, but let me tell you something, you don't have to learn the hard way. So whenever they want you to have the freedom and want you that they also want you to have the freedom to choose them, the freedom to pursue them, the freedom to put the same energy that you would put into parties and all that other stuff into planning a date. It's the same thing. It's like, no, I see what you're doing. I see the freedom that you're giving me. Because if you don't acknowledge it, they won't feel seen. And women do so many things I can't speak for all, but what I've seen is women do so many seamless things that if they were to write on a list everything that they're actually doing, you would think twice about just calling them a stay-at-home mom. I feel like stay-at-home mom is the most underrated, undervalued, underappreciated job on the planet. You try to stay home with two babies screaming and them just wanting your attention while running a business, while being a present dad, while doing all that. Do that for a week and see how much sanity you have. Mm -hmm. I did that for two days and I was like, yo, respect. (laughs) Oh my God, Blair, I would not be able, like, yes. You want to go out on a trip with your girls? Yes. If that means that you have, because you can't see the energy, but you can feel it. And so when you can see and you can point out their effort 
and you can pursue a conversation to point out I saw that you did this. I saw how much freedom that you gave me this. They don't want to have to remind you. Right. But if you can see it on your own, I saw that you did this and I saw that you made this meal just the way that I liked it based off of a comment that I made when we were watching the TV commercials or something like that. And I saw this and I saw that. They will feel more seen than probably anyone has ever seen. But this part of the, they were probably domesticated that way, just not feeling seen, deeply wanting to feel seen. Mm -hmm. So if you go out of your way and if you show the initiative to see the unseen, that's what will make them feel seen. I love that. Is there a difference between seen, acknowledged, and heard. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I mean, acknowledge is I, I want to, I'm verbally acknowledging you for how hard you've been working, mm. or I acknowledge you. I know that typically whenever you're angry, there's, you're in it for like a, an entire week. Yeah. Well, I just want you to know that I saw that it was only two days. So I wanted to acknowledge you on your progress of the duration it went from going from five days to two days, I acknowledge your growth. Mm. So being able to even verbalize acknowledge is in a different frequency than seeing something and communicating it. And then, and being heard is somebody can be saying, oh, I love you. And then somebody can say, I love you. Mm. You're gonna hear it differently. Why? Because you hear their heart. Yeah. So being heard doesn't necessarily mean, oh, no, I heard I can repeat everything that you say. Oftentimes, not all men, but oftentimes men will be like, no, you said this and this and this and this and this. But you didn't hear the tone in her voice that's screaming out, I feel lonely. I just want to be with my husband. So feeling heard is hearing the cries in their heart, hearing the joy in their heart behind the words. Right. And then being able to effectively communicate that, meet them in the emotional realm. Do you feel like men should check in on these needs? So like what I mean by that is, you know, if you're in an intimate moment with your woman or your partner, whoever it may be, you know, asking them like, hey, do you feel safe in this relationship? Do you feel seen? Do you feel acknowledged? Do you feel heard? Do you think men should actually have check-in points like that? I 100% because just like she's training you to see her, you've got to train her to see you. Mm. You got to train her to communicate with you. And you can check in is like this because for me, I need some type of form of like acknowledging the effort. Because if I don't know that this is something that you want and then I'm not Houdini, so I'm not really good at <laughs> guessing. And I don't want to play the guessing game because that's like overexerting unnecessary energy. And so I think that asking the question to get a cue on if you're on track will at least give you direction so you're not aiming at a 15-point target. Yeah. And so now I tell, I'll tell Blair, I'll say, Blair, it would be really helpful that every time we're in a conversation, because her big thing is quality time, mm. and sometimes I don't, I'm not present. And I say, Blair, it would really be helpful if anytime we have a like a quality conversation that's really impactful for you. Could you just, it would mean a lot to me if you could communicate, baby, I really loved the quality time that we had. And that becomes a cue 
and then goes right to my heart because I love recognition. So if she's, uh, and then by her doing that, I'm like, oh no, I did a great job. I can keep doing that mm. because it's nothing worse than thinking you're doing a good job and it's not what they actually want. And then they bring it up two years later, but it's compounded on top of two years worth of resentment when it could easily be nipped in the bud by saying right direction or what could I have done better? Because you're ultimately training each other how to talk to each other. 100%. That's something I just actually started to implement in the relationship that I'm in now. I can't say I had done that in the past. Now, I just turned 30. My last relationship was at 27. So like you said, there was a three years of like writing. You're in that incubation phase, right? So it's funny because that's something I started to implement. And I, you know, it could be a little uncomfortable at times, especially if it's your first time doing it. But, you know, it seems to work. It's a check-in point where you kind of gauge what your partner wants or if you need a pivot or anything in between. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm curious to learn on the topic of gratitude in relationships. And this has been a really big thing for me recently. There was a statistic that was shared to me on the show, actually, by an incredible couple, Vanessa and Xander Marin, who talk all about sex and like how to connect with your partner on a deeper level and like these five conversations that you can have. And they said the number one indicator of marital success is gratitude. So that's been in the back of my mind for a hot minute. I'm just like, how do I show gratitude? And simply by just verbalizing it, I've been able to successfully do that where I'll say to my partner, hey, I'm really grateful you let me know you got home after a night out with the girls or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then you see that compound. What's your thoughts on that? I personally don't think it's the number one. I think it's it's kind of like love gratitude, Mm. effective communication, they're all part of something that drives something forward. But I love gratitude and you can get creative with it. And it's like you notice 15 things that you're grateful for and then you turn it into a poem and put a couple of pictures in a book. And then next thing you know, when they're going off to work, they they go inside their purse and then they see that book and they're like, I feel so seen. Mm. I feel so heard. Oh my, I feel so acknowledged. And then you just get all three of them at one time. That then will come back. It'll come back in the bedroom. It'll come back when she's thinking of acknowledging you. It always comes back. It's like the deposits that you deposit in your partner's, in your woman's energy field will always come back multiplied. It, It will all, they are multipliers. They're multipliers in anger. They're multipliers in money. They're multipliers in babies, women. That's how powerful they are. They will multiply anything you give them. You give them semen, they will multiply it. You like invest their energy and their their essence and all that. They will multiply it. It's powerful, man. You you just gave me one of the most synchronistic moments I've had in a while. In fact, I actually got a little teary-eyed, so I'm glad I wasn't talking because if I was, I, I probably would have started to tear up. You mentioned the word poem, dude. Funny enough, I just wrote my first poem literally this week as like a housewarming gift for my girl. I'm comfortable saying that because this episode is going to come out after I give her the gift. But dude, you said that and I wrote that down and I was like, yo, don't cry right now. Not that I don't want to cry in front of another guy or on the show or anything like that. But I was like, yo, how synchronistic is that? No, and it's, listen, poetry, it's so good. I'm going to read you a poem that I wrote to Blair. Can we exchange poems it right is, now? Can huh? we exchange poems? Yeah. All right. I'm going to grab my poem. Absolutely. I'm grabbing mine. Yeah. I want to hear yours. I'm, yo, dude, I'm, I, I just said to my boy the other day, I'm like, yo, I feel like Edgar Allan Poe after this. Like, I felt good. I felt good. Yeah. It's good stuff. 
It's really good stuff. You go first because I haven't found mine yet. All right. So this this is incomplete. I have four more lines to put, but I'm going to read you the first eight. To give you some context, I've known her for 13 years. Back in the day, she used to come to all of my parties. I had a nightlife business with five of my best friends. And honestly, we just never really talked. Like I knew who she was. She knows who I am. I preface this because I had personalized this poem. So it's the first time I'm ever putting this publicly. A breath of fresh air, our connection so unexpected, an undeniable vibe can only mean our souls are connected. While our paths had crossed, life had us redirected until God knew our love can be fully accepted. Your presence has lit my soul on fire to think this all transpired from a DM inquire. With each connection, I discover something new I admire, which bolsters my confidence in knowing our bond will never expire. So like first poem ever written, but man, it came natural. Yeah, bro. When love has a home, it will make many rooms. When love has a home, has a healthy home, it will always make many rooms. So it'll find a way to create. It'll find a way to to make babies. It'll it'll make many rooms and the house that that welcomes it. So this was one that when I was in Bali and it was like a quick little freestyle, but it was awesome. And I'm holding, I'm literally holding Blair like this. We're in Bali. I'm there for facilitating a retreat. And I said, as I breathe the air from thee, I pull you close to me. Two holes infused together created infinity. God brought me to see the mirror of the she. The Holy Spirit was received and now the two are three. The gift of such belief is present in the free. I'm here to love, protect, and support you, Blair Murphy. You are heard and seen. And... It was like, I had a lot of those blurbs and some people like, oh no, I'm not gonna put that. Like, no, fuck that. Like, she wants this stuff. She wants your heart. She wants the depth of your heart. So the more, that's why a lot of arguments happen. A lot of arguments happen, not because she's actually mad. A lot of arguments happen is because that's the way she feels like she can get the most deepest connection from you because she's not getting it any other way. So something gets started, you get tested, whatever. And that is filling the thing that she's actually craving from you, which is deep connection. So if that means you argue and be like, it's the deep well of actually paying attention and being present, even if it means arguments are happening. So when you're doing things like poems, you're like, oh, arguments don't have to happen in order for me to have deep connection. You know what I'm saying? So these are the touch of love that over time, it, you know, you feed the flower, you nurse the flower what it wants, you'll have its, you'll have the full prosperous of its growth and its, and its fr- the fruit that it bears. I love this, man. I only have you for six more minutes, though. I got to squeeze a couple more questions out of you. Otherwise, dude, I could talk to you the rest of the day. I mean, is it because you have to go in six minutes? No, I don't. But you do, no? I don't have to go because we got started a little late, so we can go for another 10 minutes after. Okay, cool. That's cool. I'm curious, man. I mean, listen, I asked you a bunch of questions, and I hate to say that I don't come to the podcast prepared because that would just sound shitty, but I come more open-minded than anything, so I don't necessarily have the script, right? I asked you how you are. Next thing you know, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about love. We're talking about, you know, a whole bunch of other things. I'm curious, dude. Like, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? 
Even that is a good question. I appreciate it. She said, the, even that, what's a question? I think you should do that on every uh, on every podcast. What's a question that more people, that you wish more people would ask mm. on podcasts? Even you asking that question is a question that I wish more people would ask. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Let's think about it. That's a really good one because I'm so used to answering a lot of the same question. A question that I wish more people would ask. Maybe they can ask because everybody's different. So it just depends. I wish people would ask more like edgy questions that are like off the wall that just like, what do you just ask? All right, we go in there. Let's go. Like those type of questions. Well, what's an example? I don't know. I'm stumped. I'm typically not stumped. That's why it's a good question. <laughs> well, well, the goal the goal's not to stump you. The goal's not to stump you. And I'll tell you, I just had, I had Alexi Panos on the show. I'm sure you're very familiar with Alexi. And yeah, I've known her for about she said to me on camera and off camera, she goes, Matt, and the reason I'm sharing this is because I've done 300 of these episodes. We've been rocking on this podcast for five years. Like We accomplished a lot with what we do. I'm grateful for all of that. But over the course of that time, there has definitely been like a suit and tie version of me that isn't the same Matt that you'll get in a group text. Like if you were in my group text, you would be like, yo, you're, you're wild. You know, like I don't bring that to the show. So that's why when you said like edgy questions, I'm just curious to know what you would define edgy questions as because that's inside of me and I haven't brought it to the table. If you hadn't brought your authentic nature to the table, you're actually missing a portion of how you could tap it. I agree. The The purpose, listen, I did it out of safety so that I would feel more accepted by a whole versus like, it's people pleasing, right? That's what it is. Like we, she broke it down, dude. She guinea pigged me on that episode. And I'm like, all right, it's a little uncomfortable, but we're going to do it because, you know, that's what we're going to do. But I agree with you. You know, it was, it was for the sake of people-pleasing and wanting to be accepted. Yeah. You can't say the wrong thing to the right person. It's like, that's why they have niche. If you have a niche business, you can charge more. And so it's like, you're like, really, I'm all about all of humanity. You'll actually barely reach any of humanity. That's It's weird when you think like that. But when you're like, no, this is my audience. This is who I'm speaking to. And this also happens to be me. And I feel that the greatest gift that you can give to the world is you and your authentic nature. So if you're creating platform based off of suppressing yourself, what frequency is going to go into that? Like you even think about the like chemically in your body, what's happening. And she's like, bro, like let that shit rip. Like really let it rip. And it's whatever questions that are truly burning, you don't have to, not with me, you don't have to edit. You don't have to figure out the perfect, perfect way to ask it. Who you are is who I want to talk to. A muted version of you. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like who you are. I was like, yo, let's have a conversation. Because I've got so much range. I can take this shit anywhere you want to go. I, there's so many different avenues. And I typically get asked the same questions. I kind of stay here. And it's like, but if you're a rangeful person, bro, have at it. Yeah. No, no, for sure. It's a great reminder. I think I'm tapping into that more. I'm definitely tapping into that more. Like everything I actually was genuine and from the heart. You know, that's exactly why I came out. But I'll ask you a different question. This was actually asked to me and I'm trying to say ask more, but New York accent comes out as axed. How would my life 
and maybe not my life. I won't sound selfish asking this. How would our life, the community? No, you're wanting to know, (laughs) ask. All right. I'm trying to frame it in a way because you don't know my life, right? Like this is our first time connecting face to face. I'm trying to frame it in a way that's, that's a little different. What I'm trying to get at is how would our life, the collective community of Decoding Success podcast, how would our life be different if we knew what you know? Ask better questions. Mm. Most people ask themselves stupid questions. When is it ever going to happen to me? Why hasn't it happened for me yet? And then wonder why it's like stupid questions get stupid results. And I think that as a whole, if you start asking yourself something like, if you're like praying, you're like, God, when is it ever going to happen? Why did you take this from me and everything? And you're just like, um... Use me to communicate a message to humanity. Who am I to be for humanity? I guarantee you, you get a different answer. So I think that learning how to ask better questions internally, if you meet somebody who is successful and you want to learn about their life, always have three questions prepared and don't ask them where they got their shoes from. It's like ask a burning desire something that could potentially move your life forward. Mm. I think that asking better questions is number one and make learning about emotional intelligence and energy transmutation a priority so you can make your life feel effortless while still being a high level anything that you want to create for your life. Most people have no clue about energy and how it can work for them simply because they can't get the instant gratification and see it, but you can feel the effect of it. You're born looking like your mom and dad, but you'll die looking like your decisions. And that's because you don't realize how powerful your energy is and what you're doing to your life based off of the energy that's harnessed inside of you due to a lack of emotional intelligence. So you learn about emotional intelligence and you learn about just the energy transmutation, how to take energy from one place and shift it to another place. You will be introduced into a whole new dimensional reality of the life that you're living right now. That was a powerful quote. You just said you're born looking like your mom and dad, but you're going to die looking like your decisions. That hit home. That hit home. I love this, man. I appreciate that. One thing that I actually started doing, and I'm going to squeeze this in quick. I did not come up with this idea, so I always give credit where credit is due. It's a gentleman named Stephen Bartlett who I saw doing this. He has been asking a question to a past guest to ask a future guest. So you don't know who the last guest was. It doesn't even matter, but they have a question for you. They have a question for you. And that question is, what's the one thing you did for yourself today? I allowed myself to sleep in and gave my body an opportunity to rest after a long and powerful day and night yesterday. Mm. That's a beautiful thing. How do you get yourself to the point where you do that without feeling any potential guilt? If at all, if you've ever experienced that. The only time I feel guilt is if I'm always sleeping in. When it's not part of my normal, then I can powerfully choose rather than get sucked into something. Because anything that has power over you becomes your God. I wake up at 4.20 every single morning and then I go run five to 10 miles. That's part of my normal. 
So because that has more momentum than me procrastinating and being lazy and sleeping inside and like oversleeping, I don't feel bad when I take one or two days for my body to adjust because active rest is so necessary for growth. Agreed. Now on the flip side of that question, what's a question you'll ask our next guest without knowing who that guest is? The question I will ask the next guest without knowing who the next guest is, is when you look in the mirror and nobody is around and the truth shows up, are you genuinely happy and are you excited about what you do in the Mm, world? That's a deep question. If not, do something different. Mm, That is a deep question, Garen. I appreciate this, man. I'm going to give everyone the opportunity right now. I need to let you go. In the show notes, websites, socials, all of that good stuff, always in the show notes of these episodes. Anything in particular you have going on that we should let people know about? I was just about to say, July 10th, I'm doing a, this will be, this would be a good thing for you as well, especially with the community, the community that's coming in. I'm doing a 12 week mastermind called Artist Power Expressed. Artist is the little kid before life stripped away all your powers. And I teach people how to tap back into that energy, which unlocks a power. And so many entrepreneurs, driven entrepreneurs, work becomes their identity and they overcompensate in many areas of their lives. So Inside of this 12-week mastermind, you're going to learn how to stretch the capacity of your life so that so that you can live a bigger quality of life, but then you're also going to be tested in so many different facets that allows you to actually express yourself and feel safe enough in a safe environment, judgment-free zone for you to express the things you've always wanted to express, whether you're a singer, whether you're a dancer, whether you're a writer, a poet, whatever. It is a safe ground for a bunch of like-minded people, at least 60 to 70 people in this mastermind to come in and really discover that part of themselves. And then at the end of the mastermind, October we're going right into a four-day retreat. So that caps off the mastermind. It is some of the most healing, breakthrough, transformative containers I've ever been a part of. And I'm not just saying that because it's me and my team. It's because it's one of the most powerful just containers because of the level of safety. And so I'm doing my Artist Power Express 12-week mastermind and my Awaken the Artist Within retreat is in October. So those are the main- I love that, man. We're going to make sure we have that in the show notes. I'm going to ask you one last question before we split here. If you make it to whatever year you want to live to, you just mentioned that you're you know hitting 44, which is a beautiful time. Beautiful Life is just starting, right? You live to whatever year, you put out as many books, you hop on as many podcasts, you do as many retreats and mass. Probably like- What happened? 230. You want to live to 230? Probably like 200. Yeah. That's a beautiful, all the power to you. I'm curious, if you live to 230 and on the flip side of it, 231 comes around and I think of you, what would be the piece of advice, a legacy piece of advice that you would be remembered for? Teaching people how to come back home Mm -hmm. to their truest- most inner self. As simple as that. I love that. Just reminding people of what their soul already knows. I love that, man. That's a beautiful thing. Well, Garen, first and foremost, dude, I just want to express gratitude for such a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for this, man. Again, all information, masterminds, retreats will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, dude. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. Good talking to you. You have just tuned into episode 284 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring Garen Jones. Now to connect with Garen, check him out in the show notes. You're going to be able to find all of the goods there from socials to websites to programs and even the book that he mentioned within this episode if you have an interest in checking that out. When you connect with Garen, make sure you show him love and let him know that you heard him here on Decoding Success. You can even head over to my Instagram account 
and share a message with him on our latest video promoting this episode and the wisdom that he dropped. To that point, the wisdom that he dropped, you're still rocking with me on this episode, so I can make a strong assumption that this impacted you in some capacity. There's someone in your life that could use the same impact, the wisdom, and the experiences shared within this episode. So if you're open to being that beacon of light today for someone else, share this with them. Sending you love right back, and until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.